to the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 8th of January 2017, entitled, What is a Christian? And the Bible readings are taken from Psalm 1, verses 1 to 6, and Acts chapter 11, verses 22 to 26. Here's Brother Marco Real. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, and I would like to ask you kindly to remember... Uh, Ma'am, in, in I think first of all, I want to thank you on behalf of Alcombri for your help. I am also uh, an associate pastor in our, in our church. And also, I, as a son, I want to thank you because Ma'am has been in the mission field. I remember the very day, October 1977, when my parents decided to forsake a very prosperous business and give surrender to ministry. And as they did that, there was no mission board. We lived for six years, literally, by faith. And tell you something, I always remember those years as the best years of my life. So I want to go and read for, we go turn to the, your Bible, please, and I have two readings. Don't worry, they're not too long. One is of Psalm number one, after which we'll turn to the, uh, the book of Acts in chapter 11. Psalm number one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And after which, this passage, if you could kindly turn to Acts 11, in verse 15, just a few verses, and then I, I will, will meditate on a particular, actually not verse, let's say verse 22, verse 22. I'll shorten it. Mama's been talking too much. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, and with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was handed unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek soul. And when they found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And he came to us the whole year, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. I'm going to ask you a question what is a Christian? Because the problem today, if you go to Spain and ask you and ask people, are you a Christian? They will answer to you, I'm not a pig. 
Why? Well, let me tell you the story behind it. In the Middle Ages, when there was the Reconquista, when Spain liberated from the Arab dominion, they forced Arabs and Jews to convert. And they called them the pigs. They were not genuine Catholics. So this culture is very much the same in Sicily because we were part of the Spanish Empire. Are you a Christian? There is another problem. What does the world mean by the word Christian? You ask around, you ask people, are you a Christian? Some people may say, yes, I am a Christian. I'm a good person. I go to church. In my uh, ministry uh, with the Protestant Alliance, going around churches and preaching in different churches, sometimes I wonder how many people are Christians. When I first came to England, I went to a young people meeting and I asked a boy his testimony and he started telling me, I am a, I am a Baptist, my father is a Baptist pastor, my grandfather was a Baptist pastor, my great-grandfather was a Baptist. So stop, I said, I don't need your ancestry because I can tell you I'm the son of a missionary, my uncle is a Roman Catholic bishop, and my, and my, my mother's cousin is a, a saint in the Roman Catholic sense of the word. What is a Christian is a very important question we need to answer. The word Christians, Christianos, is not a compliment. It's actually an hybrid between Greek and Latin, and it was used to insult the disciple of Christ, little Christ. In, in, in fact, if you look in some places, there are, there's even graffiti, I'm not encouraging children to do graffiti, in which a cross with a man with a head of a donkey is portrayed with the name Christus to mock the God of the Christian. Let me look, let's look at some things first of all. What, how many times is the word Christian uh, mentioned in the Bible? If you look with me in Acts 26, verse 28, the Apostle Paul is giving his testimony to King Agrippa. If Apostle Paul was arrested and was um, uh, the Jews wanted to kill him and he appealed to Caesar to defend himself and he gave his testimony to King Agrippa. And when he gives his testimony, he said his word. For the king knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Everybody had heard about Christ. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And then Agrippa said unto the Lord, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. And Paul replied, I would to God, and not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost, and altogether such I am, upset his bones. They are king, almost. And then there is a last quotation from First Peter, many years later, First Peter chapter 4. The Apostle Peter, who was never the Pope, we need to underline that, 
because there are people out there who claim to be evangelicals they don't know what the, anything about papacy and um, also Peter talking to the believers who were suffering writes this chapter 4 1 Peter 4 verse 12 I read a few verses beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though, as though some strange things happen to you, but rejoice, rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, he may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, appear ye for the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matter. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. So we have the name Christian was used to mock the believers to mock the saints and the disciples, and then now has become the name they allow people to call them. The name which entails suffering for Christ. A clear testimony. Now, we're going to go through the Bible. I was, uh, if you want to know why I preach, you need to ask my mother. I told my mother I will never be a preacher. My father was a missionary, he was in England. The preacher who was supposed to deputy to replace him on Wednesday had a car accident. I was 17 years old. I was the only male member baptized and she asked me to preach. And I say, no. And then she say, well, if you don't preach, I preach and then you're in trouble. <laughs> because you have to face your father, the mission board. Well, I didn't like the idea of facing the mission board. Now, what is a Christian? Because you see, people think Christians are nice people. And I know a lot of Christians who are not nice people. And there are Christians who don't give us a good name. And we are at times guilty of not being nice people. You get me on the wrong, on a wrong day, or you catch me before I had my cup of coffee, I'm not nice. I'm not fully awake. I tell my wife not to talk to me before the coffee. A Christian, first of all, is one who trusts in Christ. A Christian, first of all, is one who tries trust in Christ. If you turn to Ephesians 1, I told you, I was trained by a French uh, preacher who told me, quote scriptures and don't, don't create problems. If you talk to, um, if you look at chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, talking about Christ, the Apostle Paul says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted uh, Christ. Christian is the person who trusts exclusively only 
in the finished work of Christ. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that you have to trust Mary, the co-redeemer. Mary teaches, they tell us that Mary gave her consent a Calvary that Jesus should be offered as a sacrifice for our sins. I read my Bible, I cannot find it. I cannot find the story in the Bible. I cannot find the account of Mary giving permission to God, as the Catholic Church says, to God to offer her son. No, my friends. Christ laid down his own life by his own will. So the first trust, well, who do you trust? Now you call yourself a Christian, who do you uh, trust? I would say, well, I am okay on both sides. When I was born, my parents christened me in the Roman Catholic Church. And after, when I was older, when they, they, I grew up in a Christian family, I have two baptisms. I have a Roman Catholic baptism and a Baptist one. I got two of them. But I don't trust that. It's the trust in the finished work of Christ. Now, my friends, I want to clarify one thing with you before you misunderstand me. If I speak of the Church of Rome, it's not because I hate Roman Catholics. It's not because I have a, a, a dislike for Roman Catholic people. It's because I want them saved. We are family unsaved. We are family who have heard the gospel. We are family who have read the Bible. And they're still following a false religion. They still trust they'll be okay. They still trust in the rituals of the church. Whom do you trust? The other thing is... You see, because you need to give the pe people around you a description. The media tends to paint us with the same brush. Let me give you what the media tell us. The media says if you're a Christian of a certain kind, you are ecumenical, you are understanding, you are liberal on certain things, you are not fundamentalist. Let me tell you, my friends, today there's a move to make anyone who is fundamentalist look bad. So first of all, the one who trusts in Christ, the other thing is one who has life through Christ. You see, you trust in Christ, why? Because it is your life. Pastor asks you, who do you trust? Who will you say you trust? Well, I'm sure some of you will say, my mom. I have to say my mom, otherwise I won't live long. But uh, you will say, I trust my parents. They, they brought me into the world. I trusted it. I assume they love me. Uh, you trust your friend, your life. Jesus himself said once in John 6, verse 35. Jesus said, in the miracle of bread, uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never anger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and in that cometh to me, 
I will in no wise cast out. What a promise. You see, trusting Christ makes us understand the fact that we only have life through Christ. You see, we may believe in Jesus, what the Bible tells us, what we have learned in Sunday school, but do we trust in Him and do we believe in Him? Do we have life in Him? One of the things my parents always told me when I was a child is this, God has not grandchildren, only children. You need to be a child of God because you know Christ yourself as Lord and Savior. And try to inculcate this on your children. They need to know Christ for themselves. They need to trust Christ from themselves. They need to realize that he is the only life. So the first thing is, one who trusts in Christ, who has life through Christ, I am alive. He does not cast out. You may have sinned as much as you wanted to. You cannot not have Christ. He will not cast you out. You see, the problem some people have is that they think Christ, because they sinned, Christ, uh, they did something terrible, God will never upset them. They don't understand the nature of sin. To steal tempe or kill a man before God is the same sin. To tell a lie is as equal as to murder someone before God. Sin is sin. And God is so holy, he cannot tolerate sin. So it is grace that he comes to us. And then the other thing is, how do I know a person as a Christian? How do I know you are a Christian? How do you know you are a Christian? You love Christ. You trust Christ. You have life through Christ. You love Christ. In 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. How much did Christ love you? He died on the cross. We have, some people have remembered Christmas, the nativity, and so on and so forth, but they forget that a child, a babe, came to die. A child was destined to die. That child had to suffer and bear the penalty of sin that was ours. We love him because he first loved us. You love Christ, and then how do you manifest this love? Love him and love your neighbor. How can I love my neighbor? <clears throat> Make him bring the gospel to him. You see, there is a tendency today we, uh, which says, well, if you have your religion, you stay in your religion, don't bother me. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. What you believe shapes the way you live. And what you believe shapes the way of your eternal destiny. Because if you believe in the prophet Muhammad, there is no heaven for you. If you believe in Buddha, there is no heaven for you. If you believe that you need the work of saints or Mary, there is no heaven for you. And it's not right 
that you let people continue in the ways of ignorance when you have the light of Christ. We are accountable, my friends, if we call ourselves Christian. We are accountable to God. So we need to explain to those who ask us about Christianity, who are we? We are people who trust in Christ, who have life through Christ, who love Christ. This is the essence. You see, this is a, in, in, I like this church. It's a mixture of different nationalities. You know what makes us one? The love of Christ. Because we love Christ and we are loved by him. Do not forget that. Do not forget that. It's very easy to forget that and to become traditional, to become routine. The Christianity becomes routine. We have to go to church. We have to sing. It's boring. The preacher can speak English. Me, I'm talking about me. We come here to give testimony and to give a witness for Christ that we are redeemed. So you love Christ and you also have fellowship with him. You see, there is another problem there that people need to understand. There's another aspect of Christianity. It is this. There are people who may claim to believe in Jesus, but have no fellowship with him. They love Jesus, but they have no fellowship. This was the problem of Luther. Luther wanted to know God. He wanted to obey God, but he couldn't cope. The rules made of man. He had a vision of, of a, a, a view of God. He was so severe, so strict, there was no forgiveness. There are two ways we need to avoid God, the present view of God. One is that we, God is not the taskmaster ready to send you a thunderbolt. And God is neither the uh, good old man always lenient. The Apostle John, talking many years later to the believers in 1 John 1, 1 John 1, <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 3, one word there. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that, you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. The fellowship with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. The communion between us and God. You probably don't realize, my friend, if you ever read of other religions, the concept of communion between the human and the divine is non-existent. There is the principle of submission to the divine, but not of communion with the divine. The word Muslim means submitted. A Muslim is submitted to Allah, but has no communion with Allah. He has not the fellowship. We call our God Father. And we have a greater fellowship. There is this relationship. Man-made religion does not imply a relationship, but just submission. But Christ has made us as connected as with the Father. Remember one thing, my friends. The word of God tells us that we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. We are adopted children. Let me give you a little illustration about laws of adoption. In the ancient times, Roman, the Roman world, 
a father could kill his children. Now, I know we have felt like that sometimes. I'm not here exhorting you to apply Roman law. Okay, This is ancient law. A father could kill his child if he was disobedient, sell it as a slave, disown him, struck him from the family, and the law will say you're right. Now, some parents will love that, but I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. But the Roman law had a different rule for adopted children. If you adopted a child and he misbehaved, if you killed him, you'll be killed by the law. If you, dis you could not disown him, because the judge will say, he did not choose you, you chose him. He did not choose you, he, you chose him. Therefore, you cannot disown him. So you see, we are adopted in Christ. Eternally secure in Christ. You see, my friends, there are a lot of people who say that they are Christians that have no assurance. I have been in places where they have no assurance. They have the correct doctrine, but no assurance. But it's very important that we are assured of who we are. It may sound a little bit arrogant in today's world to say that you're sure of something because today's world tells you you must not be dogmatic on anything. Well, it would be like saying to our brother here is not Romanian. It would be to our brother to say he's no Argentinian or you are not African, or I'm not Sicilian, or you're not English. We have assurances. So is fellowship with Christ. We are adopted in Christ. But our being adopted in Christ, our being one who trusts in Christ, means also that we work for Christ. I think this is what hurts. Working for Christ. Yes. The Apostle Paul writes... We then as workers together with them beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. That word, workers. We are workers with Christ. You work for Christ. You see, the, very often you hear this verse in Ephesians, salvation by grace. But we all, very often people miss the other verse. Turn to Ephesians 2, please. I told you I was going to make you read the Bible. Ephesians 2, verse 8, 9 and 10. Because this is a very interesting aspect. You see, today, um, in 2017 is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And uh, whatever position you have on the Reformation, I'm not going to argue. But here is this. At the Reformation, the Bible was discovered again. It was translated into the language of people. And people were able, because of the printing press, to have the Bible at a cheap price. You have a Bible in your hand because somebody invented the movable type. You have a Bible in your hand because somebody translated the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into English or other languages. You have your Bible, and that Bible is not just printed with ink. It's printed with the blood of those who pay the price to have it printed. And here's there. 
For by grace are you saved through faith. In those days they believed they could be saved through works, through grace, not, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No works. At the time when Luther was nailing his 95 theses, there was a seller of indulgences. Last year, the Pope offered plenary indulgence to every cross the door of St. Peter. 499 years later, the same era, the same custom, the same belief. Do something to be saved. Pay something for your salvation. Do something to ingratiate God. We cannot ingratiate God. But look for gain. For we are a stand. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are saved to serve. We are saved to serve. We do good works because we are saved. We don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we are saved. So my friends, your Christian life, how do I know uh, people must be able to say that you are a Christian because you have a very visible testimony. I was once working in a mobile library and I was trying to witness to the driver, my colleague, and we passed this lovely chapel in a village. And I knew the chapel, which will remain nameless, and he pointed us, you are not one of them, are you? I said, what do you mean? Well, He's a saint on Sunday, and he's a cheater the rest of the week. How are you known as a Christian tomorrow morning throughout the week? 24 hours a day is very important. You must have a testimony. So you see, my friends, trusting in Christ, having fellowship with Christ, loving Christ, also, how can we work for Christ? Well, first of all, let me give you this. We don't work out of our strength. You see, if you work in the ministry out of your strength, you're a burnout. I, mean, I told my mother would never become a preacher because it's not a good job. It doesn't pay well. It's always aggro and problems. So if you want to be in the ministry, be prepared. That heartache. But the resources for us to work are not in our own strength. The Apostle Paul writing to the Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, talking about Jesus. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the God that bodily, and you are ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Ye are complete in him. Resources to serve Christ don't come from the world. They come from Christ. When you serve Christ on the strength of the flesh, let me tell you, you're going to fail. I don't know how long ago. I go. I'm going to give you the last point. Christian is also one who will spend eternity with Christ. In John 17, verse 24. 
Jesus praying. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. To be with Christ. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know any of you. Uh, I only know Pastor Curtis from this church. Do you look forward to the day when you will be with Christ? One day he will return. Whether he'll return or whether he calls us to himself, do you have the assurance that you will spend eternity with Christ? We may try to do anything we like. We may postpone. We may waste our time in business, money, jobs, careers, relationships. All these things are very, very unstable. Jobs are unstable. We know. We only need to look at the news. People are made redundant. Relationship, unstable. People divorce us if they change car. Families are destroyed by sin. Now I'm going to ask a question, and I want to conclude this. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that your sin, whether it will be to steal 10p or murder a man, always separates you from God? Do you know that your sin, whether it's to lie or cheat, or to rearrange the truth in your place of work, always will be an hindrance. Your morality is nothing before God unless your, your life is built on Christ. If you're a child of God, and I'm pleased with that, if you know that your sins are forgiven, I exhort you, encourage you, nag you, if I may, to make the gospel known. There is a people are going to ask you to pray for. They're very proud. They have a very long history. They have blessings from God. And they have rejected God. And I'm talking about English people. I also ask you to pray for all those nations where they have false religion. You see, the Spaniards have been in Spain. They're very proud. Like the Italians. We're Roman Catholics, you know. We got the Pope, you know. Don't tell us anything. We got our own religion, you have views. I wanted to pray for them too. And I want to pray also for the Muslim because they say, We have got a religion, we don't need yours. They need Christ. My friends, one day we have to give account to God of what we have done with what we have. I don't want to be answerable for not having said the truth. You see, when I was a little boy, if I did something naughty, if my father called me in his study, I had 50% chance to escape. If mommy called me in the kitchen, there was no chance. <laughs> so I want to, wonder, I want to warn you, if my mother invites you in the kitchen, be careful. What I'm trying to say, my friend, we are, when we do something wrong, we're accountable. And when we know that we have the truth and we can do what is good and pleasing to the Lord and we don't do it, we are 
accountable. And you see, we cannot lie to God. We cannot say, oh, no, Lord, I didn't have the time, really. I was too busy. God has given you life, has given you eternal life, and we have the responsibility to make the gospel known, not, not just abroad, but also around our neighborhood. So I want to encourage you, that in this 2017, you commit yourself to serve Christ, even by making serious sacrifice in your personal life. To live by faith is to live Christ. To live Christ is eternal life. Amen. Amen.